I just don't do well with special occasion messages, and so um, you don't have one of those today, and so uh, if I had a Palm Sunday special message, it would come from Matthew, the 21st chapter, so you can read that this afternoon for yourself and come up with your own message. But I want to talk with you. The title of my message is Jesus Loves You. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you? I mean, actually, that's what uh, this time of season is all about, is the fact that, that Jesus loves us, that our Father God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten Son to die on the cross so that you and I might have victory in every area of our life so that the evil one has no right, no authority over any of us. But you know what? I, I really believe that one of the biggest hindrances that we have as the Church of Jesus Christ is that we don't know that. We don't really know how much Jesus loves us. Because religion and people have given us all kinds of reasons why God doesn't bless us, can't bless us, and what it always leads to is a lack of understanding of how much God really loves us. Because his love for me has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. He loves me totally unconditionally. And if you knew me, you'd know that that's a big deal. Somebody can love you unconditionally in spite of all of your faults, in spite of all your shortcomings, in spite of all your failures. God loves me. And what I want you to know is that God loves you. In spite of all your faults, all your failures, all of your shortcomings. And I want to approach it from the standpoint, I want us to see how much he truly loves and cherishes us. Just think about this. God cherishes you. And one of the ways that we're able to see this is we look at the ministry of Paul. Because I believe that Paul and his ministry was a manifestation of the love that Jesus has for you and I. In fact, our lives are to be a manifestation to those around us of God's love. Because how else are others going to be able to see the love of God unless they see it through us? And so that's kind of what I want to talk with you today about. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter and the eighth verse. And Paul in his ministry ministered to the church in Thessalonica. And he had just a, a tremendous love. He had an affection for the church there. And so I want us to notice this in verse 8. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. It says, So affectionately longing for you, 
we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you became dear to us. He says, we not only imparted the gospel to you, we, we imparted our very lives to you. If we, if we back up one verse to verse 7, Paul says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes, cherishes her own child. We were gentle among you. Think about that. You know, the Apostle Paul, you know, if you, you, you look at his history, he's he a, <laughs> he a pretty rough old dude. He was the one that persecuted the church and had the revelation of Jesus along the way. And, and uh, God basically had to knock him on his backside to get his attention. This is the guy, and he says, and we, we came to you, and we were, we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her child. Now this word cherish, I wanna, I wanna just take a moment and I want us to look at it. In the Greek it's the word uh, theoplo. And uh, uh, Paul was inspired to use this word because of the intimacy that's implied there, the, the gentleness that's shown. Paul uses that same word in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we have the account where uh, he's speaking to husbands and wives. And, and uh, <clears throat> let me begin reading in the 25th verse. And it says here, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ loved the church so much, loved you and I so much, that he was willing to give his life for us. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And so it's the same word. He's using the same word, uh, thupilo, in the Greek to, to tell how we're to cherish one another and to show us how Christ, how God cherishes us, cherishes us cherishes this. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds like a lot of zizzes there. How he cherishes this. That does not sound, that just does not sound, that doesn't sound right. You know, but you all know English, not me, so we'll, we'll go with it. Cherishes this. Say that 13 times without stuttering. So he cherishes this, us. As he cherishes us. The church. Paul does that and Christ does that. And we're to cherish this, cherish one another. 
just as Christ cherishes the church. The implication here is, is deep love that like Jesus takes us into his arms and he cuddles us, comforts us, he cherishes us, he loves us unconditionally. And Paul is saying that in his ministry to the church in Thessalonica, he had that same love. He had that same concern. He had those same feelings. You know, the Bible says that we're able to love because he first loved us. You know, until we have a revelation of how precious we are, how cherished we are. You know what? We'll never be able to cherish one another. You know, and the ultimate end of all of it is, as a church of Jesus Christ, we're to love one another. You know, that was the one thing that was said about the early church. It said, oh, how they love one another. And that's to be the same thing in your life and my life is for the world to be able to see what love really is. And that love is going to be seen and that love is going to manifest as it's visible to the world, to those around us. But again, if we don't, if we don't have the revelation of it, if we don't see it in our own life, if we don't see that the cross of Jesus Christ is so much more than just a simple holiday that we celebrate on Easter. You know, coming up here this week, I mean, all over the world, people are going to be, be celebrating Easter. But for so many of them, it's just another one of those holidays that we get to get together as a family and we get to hunt for our Easter eggs and we get a bunch of candy that's going to ruin our teeth and all that kind of good stuff. And that's, that's the extent of it. Because we don't have a realization that the purpose of that, that cross, it cost Jesus. It cost God. And, they, and he did it because of the great love that he felt towards you and I. And so going back to 1 Timothy once again. And uh, they're in the, not Timothy, Thessalonians. The second chapter in the eighth verse again. It says, so affectionately longing for you. So Paul says, with the great affection that I have towards you, I'm longing to see you. We, will, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Because you had become dear to us. Now, the word dear there, become dear to us, in the Greek is the word agapotas. And uh, it's talking about, or would probably be better translated, beloved. You're, our, you're my beloved. 
And we, we see in the scriptures and so forth the term beloved being used. But, but in the Greek, it's, a, it's an old term. It goes back and it's, in its origin, it's talking about when an individual looks at a, a piece of artwork and that piece of artwork has such an impression upon them that it's, you know, we talk about beholding something, that it's, that one beholds it, one looks upon it, the, the, you can't take their, their eyes off of it. <clears throat> I'm gonna hear about this this afternoon. So I want you to know that I'm willing to make this sacrifice for you and I so that I can make a point. I remember the first time I saw Pastor Becky. I thought, there's one good looking woman. And I didn't just look upon her I behold it. <laughs> it's like a piece of artwork. Still see that black dress. Uh, we won't go into it. But you know what? The thing about it, it lingers on. You know, we, we, we look at the things of God. Do we, do we behold it? Do we, do we really see what's there? And again, it's talking about it in the, in the old Greek, it's talking about an individual looking upon a piece of art and it, it's like, I've got to have that. That has to belong to me. And that's how Jesus looks upon you and me. He looks upon us and he sees us. And it isn't just a passing glance. Jesus looks upon you, he beholds you. And he sees you as a, as a possession that he can't continue on without. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he looks upon you. And that's why in spite of all of our faults, in spite of all of our failings in spite of all of our shortcomings, God still loves us because he sees, above, sees beyond what he just is on the surface that you and I see. He sees beyond that. He sees the potential that's within each and every one of us. You know, that, that word behold, it comes from, from the, the Greek word agape, the God kind of love. And, and he, he, he's, he says, not, not behold, but brethren. And so it's based on, on love. But let's, let's read on into the ninth verse. For you remember, brethren, this is Paul speaking to the church, you remember, brethren, our labor, our toil, our laboring night and day, that we might not be, that, 
that we might not be burdened to, a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of Christ. And what he's saying is, because of this, this love, be, because we see you as a beloved, we're, we're able to endure anything so that we can get the gospel to you. But you know, it goes back to how can we know the love of God or express the love of God if we don't know the love of God. You know, in that ninth verse there, Paul isn't complaining. Paul is bearing his soul. He's telling the church in Thessalonica, he says, I have such a burning love and compassion for you that we were willing to endure whatever it took so that we might get the gospel to you. Do you know why Paul was able to do that? Because he knew how much Jesus loved him. You know, Paul makes a statement in other places. He says, of all the apostles, I'm the least of the apostles. Not worthy to be even called to be considered an apostle. But because of Jesus, you know, I'm not worthy to be a pastor. I'm not even worthy to be a believer. But because of Jesus, because of his great love with which he has loved me, you know, things have happened throughout the years. You know, after 36, almost 37 years in one place, things happen. Stuff happens. And uh, people said, I, I, just, I just don't know how you can, you know, forgive and go on and all that kind of stuff. And I said, really, it's, it's easy. It's easy because I know how much I've been forgiven. You see, <laughs> I need mercy. And when you realize how much you need mercy, it's easy to give mercy. I need the grace of God in my life. I don't, I don't want justice. <laughs> don't give me justice. I don't want justice. Because justice means I'm going to get what I deserve. <clears throat> I don't want what I deserve. I want mercy. I want grace. And with his great love, that's what he's poured out upon each of our lives. Grace and mercy and love. How can we tolerate the things that go on around us? How can we love one another unconditionally? We can do it as we have the love of God which has been shed abroad in our hearts. And we allow that love to rise up and for that love to be the dominant thing in our lives rather than our emotions and our feelings. Like I said, you know, people are going to be celebrating Easter this week. But you know what? The majority don't have any clue what Easter is truly all about and what Easter will truly produce in your life as Christians. 
I don't know about you, I celebrate Easter every day of the year. Because every day I get to rise up. Every day, all the blessings of God are fresh and new in my life. Every day is a new day. My, my failings are, of yesterday are yesterday. Today is a brand new day, an opportunity that I have to serve my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the only reason I get to rise up victoriously is because my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, rose up victoriously. Because Easter, yes, he went to the cross, but the significant thing is the tomb's empty. That Jesus is raised from the dead for your justification and for my justification. And so in the eyes of God, because of the completed works of Jesus, it's as if I've never sinned. And life abundant is laid before me. And now I have a choice. Am I going to receive it? Am I going to live in it? Am I going to walk in it? Or am I going to choose to continue to live the same old life where I allow the things of the world to dominate and control my life? Because the things of this world will always lead us down the path of destruction. But Jesus, by his Spirit, wants to lead us in the way of life and life, not just abundant, but more abundantly. In Romans, the fifth chapter, the fifth verse, it says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has, everybody say has. <clears throat> now again, I'm not an English major, but I've, I, I was able to figure out enough that has means past tense. So that means his love has already been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You know, he spent the last four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. And the significance of the Holy Spirit is to recognize what he has wrought in our lives, what he's brought into our lives, so that we might experience and walk in the victory that's truly ours. And so, <clears throat> you and I cannot claim to not have love. If we are born again, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. And that means within each and every one of us is the capacity to love one another and even to love the unlovable. Because Jesus was able to do it. And the love that he poured out in our heart is the same love that he walks in, that he experiences. So that means that we're able to, we're able to love one another. So why then don't we see more of it? I'll, I'll spare you, I won't sing my, what the world needs now is lovely, sweet love song. But the world does need love. But it doesn't need the love that the world will give them. They need a love that's an unconditional love that's not based on performance. They need to come to understand a love that can only come through Jesus Christ. 
You know, my, my grandkids have taught me what love really, really is. You know, it started with my kids. But there's just something about a grandchild. And first time you look into that little face, and uh, I, have, I have 14 grandkids, and I know that this is difficult, but every one of them is perfect. I don't see their flaws. You know, I, I see perfection in their life. And it isn't even based on anything that they've done. It's because of who they are. God's love for you isn't based on what you've done. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on the fact that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Because if you think that, you're deceived. And so he just won't go any further with that. But it isn't based on any of that. It's completely based upon the fact that Jesus looks upon us and he says, I love you. Isn't that good news? That's the most fantastic, marvelous news we, we could ever have. So why don't, we, why don't we walk in that? Well, let's look at Colossians. Book of Colossians, the third chapter, in the 14th verse. It says, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Beyond everything else, put on love. I know you're probably getting tired of hearing about the Greek words today. But it's the Greek word endua. And uh, it means to put on clothing. You know, styles have changed. But you know what? There's one thing that's never changed you still have to put it on. You can have a closet full of clothing, but I'll guarantee you something. It'll never get on your body unless you go to the closet and you take it out and you put it on. And so that's what this is talking about. It's saying that we have to put on love. In the closet, I'm preaching now. This isn't biblical. But I want you to see something. In the closet of your heart, you have love. That love is there. In the same way, I've got five or six other suits hanging in my closet. I'm wearing this one today because I took it out of the closet, and I put it on. None of those other suits got on me. You know why? I didn't put them on. Love is there. What are you going to do with it? 
if you allow it to remain in the closet, it's just going to sit there. You have all the potential of walking in love. But until we clothe ourselves, until we put on love, we're not going to demonstrate it. We're not going to exhibit love towards one another. Well, Pastor, that, that sounds too easy. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing about Christianity. It took religion to make Christianity difficult. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people prayed and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because Peter preached his first message. And he basically told them, believe on Jesus, accept what he's done for you, and you're saved. The same bunch got baptized in the Holy Ghost. The same bunch experienced healing and deliverance. They didn't, of course, they were, I guess they were speaking the Greek, weren't they? <laughs> they, didn't go have, they didn't have to go back into the Hebrew or whatever to bring about truth and revelation. It was the word, they accepted the word and they walked in the word. How do we put on love? Father, the word says that it's available to me. I believe what your word says. I accept what your, what your word says. The cross has the final say-so. The cross is the final word. And your word declares that through the cross, Jesus Christ poured his love into my life. And therefore, I have love. And therefore, I am going to exhibit, I am going to demonstrate love to those around me. But it's a decision that we make. We've got, to, we've got to put it on. We recognize when we're getting out of love. I, I recognize every time I get an attitude. And with that attitude, I'm probably going to say something to Becky that she doesn't deserve to hear. But I get out of love. I allow my attitudes to control my life, to dominate me. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to do things that are, I know you're not supposed to say this in church, and so everybody plug your kids' here, ears. Stupid. But you know what? We need to rise up. We need to recognize what Jesus accomplished for us, and we need to put on love. You know, back when we were talking about this love, we talked, started with beloved, but this word love, as you all probably know, it's, it's the agape love. And just as Paul talked about the church in Thessalonica, all that they endured to be able to preach the gospel to them, the thing that motivated Paul was love. And it's not this worldly love that we see on TV and around us. It's the agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's the love that says there is absolutely nothing that is too difficult, that is too hard for me to be able to meet the need 
that you have in your life. That's what the love of God is. I'm a hugger. I don't know if you've realized that about me or not, but I love y'all, and so I, I hug you. But you know what? If that was the depth of it, that'd be pretty shallow. If my love for you was just simply that once in a while I give you a hug and then we go on with, with life, and if I see a need in your life, it really doesn't matter that much. No, if, if I truly love you, that means that I'm willing to sacrifice for you. And that's what Paul was willing for, to do for the church in Thessalonica. He and those that were working with him there was no sacrifice that was too great because they knew the most important thing that the church and the believers in Thessalonica could ever hear was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most important thing that you will ever hear in your entire life is that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to suffer the horror, the gruesome death that he died on the cross so that you and I, first of all, that our sins might be forgiven, but so that the power of Satan would be broken over our lives so that we could live the victorious life that sickness and disease could no longer dominate and control us, that poverty could no longer have a grip over us, that death and destruction would no longer dominate and control our lives. Victory over all those things were achieved through the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Now what's so important for us is to realize that Easter isn't just simply a time of year where we have a few parties and we get the family together and we eat a turkey or whatever it might be. But it's a time of year where we're reminded once again of Jesus' conquering death and destruction. That for you and I, we have life and we have it more abundantly through our Lord and Savior Jesus. You know, we all know John 3.16. But not so often do we know 1 John 3.16. Where it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. By this we know love, because Jesus laid down his life for you and I. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do we know Jesus loves us? Because he laid down his life for us. How do we demonstrate our love for one another? Because we lay down our life for one another. Jesus gave up his physical life. 
You know, I remember uh, when Emma had this sickness thing. And she was out here in the hospital, and I don't, I don't handle that stuff very well. And let me tell you, if I could have, and I know her dad would have done the same thing, her mom and her grandma, but if I could have, I would have exchanged places with her. I know all of us have experienced that from time to time. And, and when we experience that, what that does is it gives us a glimpse, just a glimpse of how much God loves us, how much Jesus loves us. And it gives us a glimpse of how we as a church are to love one another, that there isn't any, any sacrifice that's too great, that we will do whatever is necessary to see to it that our brothers and our sisters live the victorious life. You see, Christianity isn't about me. It's about Jesus. And then it's about what I will allow him to do through me. And for him to be able to work, for <laughs> this is really getting serious today, isn't it? Praise the Lord. But for him to be able to work through me, I'm going to be able, I'm going to have to be able to be clothed with the same love, not a different love, the same love that he demonstrated towards me. And if I have that love, I'll be able to love others. Don't leave it in the closet. You know, when you put on clothes, it changes your outward appearance. When we clothe ourselves with the love of God, it changes our outward appearance. We have so much on the inside of us that wants to get out. The love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the faith of God. There's so much on the inside of us and it wants to get out. We need to clothe ourselves with it. All of us have heard the teachings on putting on the armor of God. I need to get up in the morning and shod your feet with the gospel of peace and put on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Gird yourself with the belt of truth. How we need to put on the armor of God. But you know, before we can put on the armor of God, and it's going to be as effective as it ought to be in our lives, we need to clothe ourselves with love. We need to clothe ourselves with the many blessings that God has provided 
for each and every one of us. You need to begin to, we need to begin to see that we already possess it. Now it's time for us to allow it to flow out of us and touch the lives of those around us. First John, 14th, the fourth chapter in the 17th verse, it says, as he is. Whew. This is a biggie. This is one that's, I don't know about you, it's, it's beyond in the natural my ability to comprehend. As he is. So are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. That means we're his hands. We're his feet. Last week I took the car to Des Moines for a hour and hour and a half service call. And eight hours later, <laughs> it's ready to leave. But I decided I was gonna make use of that time. And thank goodness I had my Kindle with me. So I read Joseph Prince's book, Right Place, Right Time. And here a lot of junk around, so I read Kenneth Hagin's mini book, God's Medicine. Then I read a book about Reagan, we won't go into that. <clears throat> Other than one quote, he said it's interesting that everybody that is a proponent, proponent, proponent means for, proponent for abortion has been already born. I thought that was a good statement. And then I read Joseph Prince's book on healing. Let me tell you something. I feel clothed because of the word of God. There's no substitute. For to get it on, you got to get it out of the closet. You're going to have all kinds of clothes in your closet, but it doesn't do you any good until you put it on. You're going to have all kinds of Bibles in your house, but it does you no good until you put it on. Let's put it on. Let's clothe ourselves with the love of God and demonstrate that love to those that we come in contact with, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you glad that he gave his life, that we might have life, that we might have it more abundantly, and that we can love one another? And it's not a burden. Because it's not us loving. It's us allowing him 
to love through us. Praise the Lord. Well, I got to quit. I don't know how, but I got to. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father God, we just bless you. We worship you. We magnify your glorious name. We're so thankful, Father God, that you loved us so much that you sent your precious son Jesus to die for our sins. And Jesus, we're so thankful that you were obedient to the call, that you were obedient to your Father, that you came, that you died, that you were resurrected from the dead for our justification, and that you kept your promise and that you sent us the precious Holy Spirit to live within us. And through your love and the love of the Holy Spirit, that love has been poured out, has been shed abroad in our hearts. And therefore we are a love people because we have your love within us. And now Father, we pray for the courage we pray for the boldness to put on love, to clothe ourselves with love. Because Father, we know that to love means that we are vulnerable, that we're subject to being hurt. But Father, we want that kind of love within us that we can be vulnerable, that no sacrifice is too great to be able to show and demonstrate your love to those around us. Oh, the world will think evil of us, but Father, we don't want to be moved, we don't want to be motivated by the world, we want to be motivated by you. And so we say today, have your way. May we love one another as Christ loved the church. May we follow Paul's example and have those affectionate feelings for one another as Paul had for the church in Thessalonica. And through that, Father, use us. Use us for your glory. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give one another a hug and say, I love you.